All right, you guys, let's get this started, right? Because really, what could go wrong once you press record, right? Exactly, what could go wrong? <laughs> it's all going to be very perfect. This is another episode of the Crazy People Podcast, and today, Russ and myself have the great, great honor to welcome Richard Rasmith to the show to talk about the thousand things that he's been doing. Uh, I've been knowing this man yep. for what? Thank you, guys, for years? having me. Oh, Thank absolutely. you for having me. Absolutely. So, How long have we been knowing each other? Is it 20 yeah. odd years? 90s something? Uh, about, yeah, about, about 20 some years, probably about 96. Since 96, that's when I first came to Cologne and I met yeah. you and the whole crew, Daniel, um, Tyrone, um, you know, Daniel was what Snoop Dogg. We call him Snoop Dogg. Um, it still looks like Snoop. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So um, it's been about since I came. I came to Cologne in '96. Uh, All I moved right. From, I was living in Munich first, and then I moved over to uh, on the border of Holland and Belgium in a place near Liège. I moved over there, and then I said, "Man, this is too slow for me." And um, I used to hit the every Friday night. I used to hit the um, what's the club? Uh, Friday night in Cologne back then in the days, hip hop with Evil Eddie Schweinstein. Schweinstein. I used to hit Schweinstein every Friday night, and you know Evil Eddie. He says from New York, Haitian guy from New York. You remember him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually yeah, so met my- him in Brooklyn. Would you know yeah. that? I met him in Brooklyn at some Spike Lee joint thing. Okay, I think cool, some Michael man. Jackson birthday in uh, over in Brooklyn. Yeah, well, it's cool, man. So we we've been knowing each other about since since '96. How many years is that? Oh, don't um, don't even start counting. <laughs> I, I know, man. It's, it's, it's a long it's a long time, man. Yeah, it's you just know? that close to getting a uh, historic vehicle play. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> let's just let's start at the beginning because I know you from doing a thousand things, right? Because this man is Russ much worse than me. Whenever <laughs> I've, I, whenever I've one idea, he has like ten, and he does three of them at least. And um, so, give us a wrap up of how you ended up in Germany. What did you do mm-hmm. before that, and then? Slowly, let's slowly work into your professional life and the things that we've been talking about last few okay. times. Okay. Um, um, how did I end up in Germany is a long story. And I attended Clemson University on a football scholarship um, in 89, from, from 85 to 89. So when I, I attended Clemson, study at Clemson University. And was um, also played football there. Played as a freshman. Played all four years. Was part of the number one secondary in the country, uh, which I played free safety. Then I was um, I was signed by Jimmy Johnson with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Troy Aikman's first year. Um, hurt my right shoulder. After hurting my right shoulder, I went to a rehab situation and I waited out a, a whole year. And then came, I don't know if you guys remember this, in 1991 came the, the World League, which was part of the NFL Europe. Mm-hmm. So 
so in 91, I was I was drafted as the um, the 22nd player in the um, in the um, World League, NFL Europe. And so I but I played for teams in America. And then um, on my trip to, to to Europe, we would do a European leg like we would play. We would go and we would play a team like we would play the London Monarchs, Frankfurt Galaxy and Barcelona Dragons. So when I went to, uh, we went to uh, play Frankfurt, man, you know, we stayed there for like a week and it was, it was a really, really awesome place. You know, um, I really liked it. And so um, when I went back to America, when I went back to America, I ended up, um, uh, this, this, is the truth, this is the true story. You know, my music career, I had to kind of fabricate some things, but you know, that's, that's, uh, this is a true story. The true story is that, I met a, a German girl in Charlotte, North um, in November of 1994. I was in a club in Munich, Germany called a Park Cafe. <laughs> Very, everybody went to that club on Wednesday night, hip hop, all hip hop, you know. So it was, it was banging every Wednesday night. We was in there. So I'm in there. And so I used to always see this guy even in the summertime, you see this guy with a with, with no shirt on, with a vest, tight pants on, and with a snake around his neck. A real snake. And I'm like, man, who is this guy? And then, you know, because I was like, man, you know, me coming from, you know, coming from the area around Atlanta, man, you know, it was kind of like, for me, it was like, man, that was kind of, it was kind of, um, I don't know. Weird seeing this, you know? And so I'm like, who is this brother with this, this snake on, you know, and stuff around his neck. So I used to see him during the summer when I was with all the other guys. So when, when everybody left, I actually went to the club and the guy started talking to me and he said to me, Hey man, you ever did any, you ever did Euro dance music? I said, no, man, what is Euro dance music? Then he said, you know this song and that song? I said, yeah, I, I know I know these songs right here. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, man, you know, this is, this is, this is, man, this is the, this is the thing. I'm in Euro dance music. I'm in a group now. And I recorded a song for another group, but I can't be in that group because my group is being, is, is successful right now. So I said, man, you know, I said, I don't know about it, man, but, you know, I'm willing to sit down with you. He said, he said, let's, let's sit down, you know, let's sit down and talk. So he took me to this guy who was a manager. Guy was named Heinz Gross. He had a company called Joint Venture Concerts. He was one of the biggest concert booking guys in Germany. So here I am sitting with this guy. And he said, man, yeah, I like his look. Man, they ain't asked me nothing about no rap, no nothing about no singing, no nothing. <laughs> Say I like his look, and so, so I'm sitting there, and so they say, the guy said, Richard, I teach you. He was from Alabama. The guy with the snake around his neck. He was in a group called Pharaoh. Um, his name was Dion. They, his nickname was Cowboy. So they end up selling. They end up selling probably like 1.5, 2 million records. His his group. So he said, I'll introduce you to, to to the game and teach you how it goes. You only got to do eight bar raps. 
the first song is already done. So you just do your you just do the live shows right now. And then later you'll start recording your your song. So he introduced me to the game and I went into the um, um, music game. And from November, from November to Christmas, we were top three in Germany. Wow. Millions of records. So, so here I am touring around Europe as a Euro dance star. Second song went top, top seven. No, the first song went not top three. First song went top seven. Second song went top three. Album went top 10. So here we are. And back in those days, that meant real record sales, right? I mean, <laughs> that was before yeah, Napster and all the internet stuff. Hardcore record sales, just straight up physical record sales, 7 million copies. 7 million copies. Yeah. So, and so the thing is, is that what the guy, the producer started doing, he didn't want me to write. And so I'm like, wow. So I'm, I, you know, because listen now, when I went into Eurodance music, I had came from professional football. So, you know, here I am, I'm touring with Hathaway. What is love, baby? Don't hurt me. I'm, I'm touring with, with, uh, I know what I want. And I, Mr. Vane, now yeah. I got the power. I'm touring with all these guys, you know, so I'm out there, you know, two unlimited. Are you ready for this? Nah, 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 nah. So, so I'm, I'm touring, man. And so I, re I really didn't, I'm being real, totally honest. I don't come from Eurodance. I come from hip hop. I come from soul music. I, I, you know, I grew up in the town between James Brown and Otis Redding. So, you know, I, you know, so, you know, I was into, I was into a whole different style of music, but they say, we'll give you 40, 50,000 Dutch marks in a month. So what do you do? The story I'm saying is, I'm, the, the story I'm explaining is really kind of like the music industry, which I wasn't a part of. I was from sports. Yeah. But, I'm, now, but I got introduced to the music industry in real time <laughs> because I had no time to think. I had time to just go into the group, travel everywhere. I'm in Sweden. I'm in Finland. Man, I'm looking at my song in Finland. We in front of Michael Jackson. You're familiar with like I got the power, right? Mm -hmm. Snap. Okay, so 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 just a, a quick rundown on it. These groups basically started in Europe. They was like former soldiers. They were former soldiers, or they were touring singers. Like they was on a hair production or something. They was touring around you. So basically, you're talking about you're talking about hundreds of millions of records were sold in Euro dance music that yeah. started in Europe with Americans. <laughs> and, and, and this is this is something that's crazy that most people most people don't even know about. But um it was it was it was good for me because I learned the game and I, I sat out for two years after I saw what the girl did to me. I sat out for two years and I came back into the game fresh. And that's when I met Maurice because I had my own building in Cologne and my own studio in Cologne and I own my own publishing 
company with okay. Universal. So what was your boy's all... name again? I forgot. Huh? Your boy's name. My boy? Yeah. The guy that you did that with. Oh, oh, Rod. Rod. He was in a group called Fun Factory. Yeah. <laughs> Big Rod. Rod D. He he in um he's in California now. Okay. You know, and so we came and took over the city for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> So that was that the beginning for you to start on the business side and to really get out of the, let's say, in front of the camera, right? Since we are talking the camera, going behind the camera and going behind the scenes and really becoming organizing and, and yeah, doing the business yourself. Right, right. Because I was doing I was doing marketing promotion and I found a group. Um, I found a group. I found I found an artist. Um, um, uh, called Johnny Wright. We did a big, big uh, song that was up and down on Viva uh, TV. Um, and then I uh, did Rust again. Viva TV. I <laughs> uh, was the was the German pendant to MTV at the time. Right, right. Um, Viva TV was music channel of MTV, and MTV yeah. later bought Viacom. Viacom later bought Viva. Exactly. Uh, so it was the equivalent to MTV. And, and, and that's and, how and, that's how I got into the music business too via via TV because a friend of mine produced a show there and I started helping out on the production side with camera and stuff and then I later got into editing and so on and so how this how ha how that all happened right there was like an entire I would say epicenter that went to the clubs Thursday to Sunday. And on the other days, we kind of dictated what was happening in the German music industry. It's like right. Mola, a guy that you're not familiar with, uh, a German mm -hmm. TV host, uh, a bunch of groups, and a lot of behind-the-scenes guys. It was all coming from a group of, let's say, 40 or 50 people that right. were all involved in those areas. And really, for for several years, actually, dictated what was Right, right, right. Several years. I mean, I mean, you know, Props to you guys, man, because when you really look at it, man, you guys was like the first guys I ever saw that was doing the hip hop media business in Germany. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, you're, you're trendsetters. I mean, what people don't understand today is like the German rap scene is number two behind America. Number yeah, two. I would, I would probably throw France in there, but. Oh, uh, France. But no, no, what I'm saying is. France, the money business, yeah. Right, right, right. Because Germany, Germany just sells more records. Exactly. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at the numbers, man. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You know, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers because Germany gonna sell more records. You know, I mean, uh, 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 what's what's? I mean, gold in Germany when I was around, it was two hundred fifty thousand. You could go a hundred thousand, you were gold in France. Yeah. You know, and then Germany going Germany. Because of the media industry of Viva, of RTL, of Pro7, Transvestral, and other outlying countries could could push could push more. Yeah. You know, I mean Germany is a is a it really is a, is a beast when it comes to the music media world, to be honest with you. When you look at record labels like BMG, which started Arista. Which Arista brought you Whitney Houston, Bad Boy, uh, all of the top players that was in America in the days. 
So it all started out of Munich, Germany. That's where they got the financing from. It so was also and I watched, where Puffy had his record label, right? With BMG, yeah, it was a yeah. subdivision. And so this is what I found out from working with um, uh, um, Germans in business was is that a lot of them really don't promote how good they, they fucking are. I'm being honest with you. <laughs> I, I hope this is not a kid's channel, right? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, they really don't promote how good they are because because let's break down something. Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, all started in Germany. Yeah. You feel me? Which brought you Justin Timberlake, which brought you Nick and all them guys. You know, uh, rest his soul. Uh, we did the Bravo Super Show, which uh, you can explain to your partner what what Bravo is. We did the Super Show. That's a, that's a youth magazine that was around for decades, and I've, I'm not sure if it's still around. But it's it's like, yeah, every every teenager in Germany for decades over decades, ever since what is it the 70s or the 80s, read Bravo right. one time or the other. Right, even even further back to the '60s, because Elvis and everybody was in that magazine. All oh, right, yeah, it's even yeah. longer. And my that. and my friend was the editor in chief for 25 years, named Alex Gurnett, um, uh, in Munich. And and Bravo is out of Munich, um, uh, the magazine, but the the Falag is out of uh, the publishing of Bravo is out of Hamburg, which is the Bauer Falag, which is a multi-billion billion dollar company. You know, yeah. so. So when when um, I did the Bravo Super Show, that was a that was a um, I think he was about 19 years old. Rest his soul. Uh, Aaron Carter was on that show mm -hmm. and he started his career in Germany, which gave him he sold millions of records in Germany, Austria, Switzerland and Europe. And, and which gave him his success uh, in Europe, which could which could catapult him to the top of the game in America yeah. because. When you're coming from America with sales like Aaron Carter, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC had, you don't need to beg no record label. You already have the financial backing from that right there, yeah. you know, from that standpoint. So how did you get from the music business and everything that you were doing in, in Germany? How did that lead you to in steps what you're doing today? And I don't want to precurse anything, but I just want to cross that bridge to what it is that you're doing today because from my perspective other than you being a numbers guy you have a key eye for business it's an it's as different as football to music industry or even more different from football to music industry it's a jump that you made after that to what you're doing right now what i saw was that i saw that that was really um I can be honest now. <laughs> I um, what what I saw was that I saw, like I said about Germany, what I felt in the culture is that they're very technical people, they're very innovative people. I saw their marketing was light years behind America. It still is, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Right. So. But what I saw that as an opportunity for me, because, because I saw I could add some American marketing, ingenuity into 
some of the projects in which I was doing. So I end up, my first sponsorship deal was Columbia Sportswear. Mm -hmm. So Columbia Sportswear gave me a budget and say, we need an artist to put this on. So here I am, the manager of Backstreet Boy and NSYNC comes over to the office. Boss Ballers on, um, um, what, what's that, what's that, uh, Freedom, what, what's that? Freedom was Platz. that? Um, Freedom Platz. Freedom Platz. That's a square yeah. in, in, actually, the Russ, that's the square of where OAX is. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like, uh, what he's talking about, the building that he's talking about is probably not even 50 yards away from where the <laughs> cool. office is. Yep. Just diagonally across that little square that is there, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, see, I was here I was in my early 30s. So I really, I really didn't, or late 20s or something, but but anyway, I really didn't know what I had. So we had a building there with our studio, the hip hop store. We built a DJ pool. We spent about 200, we, we signed for 2.5 million, me and Big Rod from uh, Fun Factory with our publishing deal. And we put about two, three hundred thousand into the store and everything, which we was crazy. We shouldn't have probably even did that. We probably should have put it in our pocket. But but anyway, so Columbia Sportswear, I met the market, the European marketing director of Columbia Sportswear. And she had these these um, black and white. I mean, black or white and blue Columbia Sportswear jacket that had hoods on them. And then they had the Columbia that would go around the top of the hood. And so um, when when I met with the manager of, 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 of Backstreet Boy and NSYNC, he said, man, you can't touch Backstreet. He said, but NSYNC now, we can put them on. So I put it on. I put these jackets on NSYNC uh, with uh, 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 Justin Timberlake wearing them. I still, I'm, I'm, I'll send you a picture of that, you know? Okay, yeah. We're gonna I, keep I put that on NSYNC and Huh? We're gonna key it in so that people okay. can see the picture. Yeah, yeah. So I I put that on I put that on NSYNC. and um then I went on and said, man, this cross promotion I really like. So then now I'm finna bring back some memories to you because you're gonna trip out when I start telling you this. So then we met Stefan Jungboo. <laughs> okay. Yeah. South Pole. We started doing South Pole. We started doing all kind of other brands I never even heard of. We had Volk, what was it? Uh, South Pole. It, it was uh, Mecca. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't remember. There were so it, many of them. It was so many hip hop brands. And then we had, and then then our 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 buddy in Cologne, um, he had Echo. Yeah. Uh, what was his name, man? He's I think it was an Arab guy. He had he had he had Echo. Yeah, um, so, yeah, I, I can't remember the name. I met him through Mola. I met him through Mola. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah, is it? I, I actually, I think his his name was actually Ali. Ali, yeah, name. Ali, yeah. Because yeah. they said Ali, Ali ended up getting jam sports for Germany. Yeah, exactly. You know, if I'm not mistaken, he may still have that today. And so when I saw, when I saw that there was opportunity to do cross promotion in this business and then I could put my own groups together and I, I could produce groups. I brought over crew from Atlanta that was working together with me and we could produce groups and we could do our own cross promotion deals. I just saw it was an open 
opportunity because all man we know they've been we've been doing that way back in the days in america with cross promotion started with michael jackson getting his hair burnt you know <laughs> even way before then you know so all all of this right here i just took it and transformed it over into the european into the european sector and russ for just for you as a background at that time is when we started producing the tv show that we had and starting with our marketing agency and and formed something that's called uh, brand experience marketing so here we would go to new york recording shows or to a to Atlanta or other or LA or in other cities and were fully equipped in South Pole or Echo or whatever. And those companies would have sent us boxes of clothes every month. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's where I had way too many of everything. That's where I still <laughs> got so many sneakers, right? Because I was used to having way too much of everything in terms of clothing. Yeah. And that's where right. the business side kind of connected what we were doing. Right. Because what most people, what most people like, like a lot of time now, the thing about America is that sometimes we're in a box in America because we have everything in America and we don't realize that there's an urban market. There's a bubbling scene outside of America. Yeah. So you're talking about a country of 80 some million people. And then you're talking about two, three hundred million people around the country and other countries. That 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 are 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 buying products, and in 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 the urban scene, concerts are going on. Like Jim and rap scene, I've been watching them, man. Man, they got I seen fifteen twenty thousand people at concert. Yeah, you know, and so you know, this is something where where I think uh, the nineties, the American hip hop artists slipped on, because there was brothers like me, you, Tyrone. And, and, and that, that was doing business in, in Europe that should have been holding the flagpole for the bad boy, the so-so death, the yeah. death jams and things of that nature. Because, because if they would have done that, we would, we could have kept that, kept that brand going internationally. Yeah. And so, and so we lost it. And so here you go. Death shop. Now I'm gonna tell you a story. You, you familiar with death shop? No. Oh, Def Shop is an online hip hop brand in Germany. Okay. I if you Google it, Def Shop sold for 200 million euros to a venture capitalist company, which is a Def Shop was an online hip hop store. Okay. Online in Germany. Out of Germany, guys, these guys, two Arab guys started this in their basement. <laughs> and they sold it to a, a conservative venture capitalist company from from uh, uh from Munich for 200 million euros. Yeah. So it just shows you the power of the industry. You know, and so so for me, I, I just saw it was exciting for me because I saw that the direction in which when the digital sales came. When, when, when the music industry started transitioning from hard copies to digital, the budgets in the music industry start getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now I see where I've gone wrong. Because I, I, Raz and I were, were at school at the same time. I was at Penn State. He was at, at Clemson when, when Clemson beat Penn State. And 
I mixed sound for punk bands when I was there. And so <laughs> as, as hip hop exploded, I was in New York and I was watching the, the East coast, West coast, you know, hip hop fights and stuff, but I had picked the wrong music genre to start with. So, <laughs> so he's played for three professional football leagues. He's been in four different industries so far and, and writing multiple hundred thousand dollar checks. Uh, yeah, man. And, and I was on the outside looking in. I see where I see where I went wrong now. So, <laughs> no, man. The, the, the thing is, is that you know, like I'm 56. So when I was in my 20s, I was doing one thing. When I was in my 30s, I was doing another. It's kind of like, seriously speaking, man. Like every decade, I moved into something different. You know, I haven't even told you what I came from the last year. <laughs> and what and what and what we what we have done you know because you know but i've been using all my experience and things of that nature but the thing is is that what 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 i see and and this is this is this is this is a straight to the point observation of the last 20 something years a lot of times we in america think Everything is here and everybody just running around this rat, this rat hole. Everybody running around this old rat hole. When you look at the most successful companies here in America, they have international strategies. Yeah. They don't have American strategies. They mm -hmm. have American strategies. They have international strategies. I, I, I give I give you an example. Maurice, this is this is the funniest thing I tell people. I say, when Puff Daddy had Bad Boy, he came through Germany, he partied Europe, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, he pulled something out of Europe and took it to America, cross promoted it, and made it one of the hottest vodkas in the world. Chirac. Yeah. He did that. You see what I'm saying? And cross promoted it through the music industry. Now, what I tell people is that I say, I say, they say, man, you know that's puffy, man. I said, no. The most amazing thing what he did is that he sold you a French vodka. <laughs> France ain't even famous for vodka, besides that vodka in Belvedere. France is a cognac country and a wine country. Yeah, okay, <laughs> he made he made these vodkas number one, number two in the world. And and I love I love cross promotion. I love marketing. I love I just love the aspect of it. And so when I when I left Cologne, I went back to Munich in '99, and I cre I went to California, did a radio casting, and I put together four girls. Four different nationalities, and the girl group is called Four Colors. Mm -hmm. Four Colors had the biggest signing for a national group in Germany. The biggest signing, monetarily, money-wise. They were four different nationalities. They was on top of the pops, which is the, one of the biggest European music shows. Mm -hmm. They was on the dome. You remember the dome? Yeah. Speaking of top of the pops, and I'm just interrupting you quickly. Here's a little anecdote. Do you know that I was on top of the pops too once? 
and I had a I had a background thing with Puffy because they were doing a gospel choir, and somehow I. Entertainment, my our company was organizing that, and they were lacking one person. So I threw on the rope and got in the back of the gospel choir and mimicked a gospel singer. <laughs> if you ever heard me singing, you know <laughs> I'm a lot of things, but singer is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, but but they was they was filming Top of the Pops in Cologne, right? Exactly, exactly. So, so on top of the pops to break it down to your part, and the top of the pops have had some of the biggest artists in the world on, from Seal to to uh, Robbie Williams to Take That to um, you you can name it, some of the biggest artists in the world. There's a there's a British version I think, and then there was the German version, and that was syndicated across Europe. You said something about Penn State. Yep. Tell me about Penn State. <laughs> well, while you were at Clemson, I was at Penn State. Won the national championship in '86. I didn't okay, play. So you, I just watched. I cheered him on. <laughs> but uh, okay, and we played y'all. We played y'all in '87. Mm -hmm, next and year, I was, and I was the second lead tackler in that in the bowl game. <laughs> um, um, and Joe Paterno. Mm -hmm. I yeah, I remember I, being angry at you for for an afternoon. <laughs> oh, it was, it was it was it was okay. You know, they always. <laughs> like that you know yep. they never said we gonna, when we played Oklahoma's the Penn State you know we just a little school in South Carolina you know and, <laughs> and you know this is this is something you know but John Rosenberg was the coach in Munich that coached at Penn State oh cool that that signed me to play for the team <laughs> and a lot world. of people don't a lot of people don't know about John Rosenberg John Rosenberg created cover two what is cover two? Cover two defense. It's a it's a defensive back coverage where the okay. safeties go the safety go over the top of the corners. Okay. And John Rosenberg created this. It's a it's a it's a basic defensive coverage in the pros in college in high school. He created this called cover two. Yeah, you lost me there with the with the football thing. The next oh, thing man, you probably talk about is soccer, and my eyes would start glazing over. <laughs> hey, hey, man, the 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 interesting the interesting thing I'm going to get to you with soccer. Now, the interesting thing is I got I got a guy. It's a guy he lived with me in Munich after he didn't do so good on one football team. He had a bad relationship with it, and so I began to teach him to do some different things because. He could play the football season there, which didn't pay that much money, but he can go into training, training football players. So I took, and your partner's going to love what I'm saying when I tell you this. So I took defensive back drills with the position which I played and told him, let's take these drills, implement these drills into a soccer training program. And now... He's flying all around Europe and the world coaching professional soccer players. Okay. I've, I've now lost count of the and different that was one of businesses. My <laughs> I've officially lost count no, of that, that, many no, different that businesses. That, That's amazing. It's amazing. That was, a, that was an idea concept I gave to him, but he was one of my protégés that I taught the business. And, and, he, and he, he came to Germany in 1990. Five, 
and he's been there ever since. He he lived in uh in Essen, um uh, on the other side of Düsseldorf. Yeah, so, it's a it's a little town about was it in miles sixty miles? Yeah, sixty miles away from north north from Cologne. Let me ask you go this: go you ahead. took you took your German connection and your Munich connection, and somehow when we talked a few years ago and brought that over to South Carolina, where there's a certain Munich company that you work with. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a small little company, mom and pop shop. Okay. <laughs> um, there's eight universities in the world that's partnered with BMW. Black man wish. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bavarian Motor Works. Mm -hmm. So eight universities and uh, Clemson University is one of those universities. So Clemson University has a a um, a uh, Clemson University International Automotive Research Center, which is in Greenville, South Carolina, which is sponsored by BMW, Michelin, the university and the state of South Carolina. Now, when BMW came to BMW, it's the largest Uh, employer in the state of South Carolina, the largest, not even talking about other companies that came with BMW. Uh, so it's the largest uh, private sector employer. So BMW is the largest in the state of South Carolina employer. And so what happened was when I was in Munich in 2010, I was in Munich in 2010 when I came. I came back to I came back to Germany in 2000 in 2007. I, I went to America for about four or five years, and I came back in 2007. Uh, I did some work for Bravo and things of that nature. But I ran across these guys um, that that own their own car company, and it's called a Roading Roadster, which is a 2,000 pound supercar, and This car is dope, man. It's really, really awesome. Uh, the Roading Roadster. And and so I went to the guys. I went to an event. My wife said, man, you need to go to the events. You need to meet these people. And you, we was just boyfriend and girlfriend. And I said, I've been, I've been in the music industry. I've been to so many events. She said, you really need to come. So when I, I went there, I seen this guy standing outside, man, beside this dope car. Ferdinand Hindemith. <laughs> so Ferdinand was standing by this car and and I started talking to him about this car I said man guys I play professional ball with music business they would love something like this and he said he said he said no 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 wait up wait up wait up he said I know but we're only showcasing the car to show our possibility of transferable technology that we can take from this car And put it in any car so i said whoa he said he said are you interested i said i'm very interested because i think i can do something with this car in america i'm thinking like i can sell this car to my boys you know football player basketball i'm i'm, I'm looking at it from that standpoint you know not knowing not knowing there was a whole nother level which he wanted to to introduce to me and so what happened was he called me over to his office And then he started telling me about the car and the technology, how they have worked 
with Siemens, how they did the doors on the i8 BMW, how they did the doors on the i3 BMW, and how they are BMW students. They went to the school. Uh, they were sponsored by the Quant family. The family owns BMW, and how they was just really big into the design of our car was from Porsche, and, and it was just like I was just thrust into the middle of the who's who of the automotive scene. And their focus was carbon fiber technology. So what happened was, is that I convinced them to say, look, let me be your expansion partner for North America. Because I'm already thinking my university got a school together with BMW. I could make some things happen fast for them. So within um, a month, I studied with them for a month. They taught me all about the company. And then I expanded the company over and I expanded the company over. I expanded over to Clemson University Center for Automotive Research, which is um, the partnership is a $300 million facility, two to $300 million facility with, um, with um, BMW, Michelin and um, um, uh, Clemson University. And so we had an office there and then I got them their first contract in North America to be on the team to design the mini, the new Mini Cooper to do the to do the carbon fiber engineering design of the new Mini Cooper for 2025, mm-hmm. and and I got that done because of my connections through my to my university from from that standpoint, and it was a perfect match. Here's a guy who's been 20 some years in Germany, spent 16, 17 years in Munich. And so this this was this was perfect for me. It just all went together, all together at, at the right time. And so from that standpoint, um, backing up before I expand the company, me and my wife started a company called International Link Me, which was extension of International Music Link, which my first project with International Music Link was me going getting them girls from California and bringing them to Germany. And so here I am now transferring that skill over into the business world. There's always companies expanding left and right, left and right, left and right. And so you got to get on the front end of that. And so do that due to that situation. We own we own another company called Bavaria Grill. We own the company that makes the um, original rotisserie grill for the Oktoberfest. All those rotisserie chickens you see that's in food trucks throughout whole Germany, the company that we represent in America supply, it's the number one supplier of all those food trucks. So we own that company for North America. And we're just getting that started in North America. So we're basically like supporting a lot of the German technology per se from, from from not a lot of but pockets of it from that standpoint you know mm-hmm. um and 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 so it wasn't no special sauce or nothing it just being in the right place at the right time you know but, so but it's but it's also it's also right. being at the right place but but seeing where the cross pollinations work yes. right seeing where those link ups work because you can be in the right place at the right time and not do anything. But you you look at this and you go, oh, and this guy over here, and if I could just get them together, 
they can make something great. That's pretty impressive. Right, right, right. And that's and that's and that's the thing is whereas that is so much synergies mm-hmm. international. I, I just love I just love I, I love global business. It's so much it's so you can find and, and and Maurice can tell you, you can go to a part of Germany and find a company with some with some awesome technology, but very small. But they're not braggadocious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 so when 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 you're not braggadocious when you're entering the American industry, it's like, you know, you know, it's like they don't <laughs> they like man, you don't really have what it takes, <laughs> you know. Actually, it, Russ, Russ, I, I have a story for you how how that conflicted in our and because Russ and I uh, used to work in the same company, um, <laughs> and. Our friend Bob, when when he joined, uh, we had these we had these comparisons between features of our product and another product. And you remember mm-hmm. the Germans had everything in there, what they could do, what they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got rid of all the couldn't do. Like, no, if you have that in there for Americans, they're gonna be focused on what they cannot do. Meanwhile, the Germans needed to do that because otherwise they thought you were lying, right? <laughs> so for the mm-hmm. American side, we got rid of all the cannot do and just made it a comparison where the comp- where we could do things and the competitor couldn't do, right? So we enhanced the marketing from whatever was going on in Germany to fit the American market. So that was some of the fun, right? That's some of the, the difference. Yeah, that's cool. How you have to operate here and how what the German mindset is and how you have to actually work globally, which a lot of the Germans don't get when they branch out, right? And vice versa, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and and another thing too, what was what was the biggest thing is that the the state was willing to pay. So so after I expanded the company, I became the CEO of the engineering company for North America. And then I became the CEO and owner of the company. See, the, the weirdest thing, man, that Americans cannot understand it. A German can say, I don't want to really expand. Americans can say, that's 300 million waiting for you in America. Okay? Certain Germans, that don't motivate them. They want to stay right in their circle and do what they want. My company stayed right in their circle, gave me the company for North America now. Gave me the company for North America and say, you can run it, but you got to run on your own dime. I said, okay. So, 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 so the thing is, I had to learn when I first got to Germany, what I had to learn was before the language, I had to learn the mentality. We are very motivated in America by money. Period. In Germany, they're motivated by money, but family first in their private time is. <laughs> you know, a guy go on vacation, Maurice, guy go on vacation in Germany. <laughs> you think he gone. You got so many. <laughs> yeah, hey man, did they find hey, did they fire Heino? <laughs> no, he's, no, he's on vacation. 
<laughs> so you know, so 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 a lot of times is that I have to explain to some of my buddies like. Like he's like, what man? They could sell so many cars here in America. I said, man, these guys are interested in preserving their product right there in Germany. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It depends mm -hmm. on what's the outlook or what that individual person have for the company, or what that company, or what that company has. You know, the direction they want to go in. Mm -hmm. But but the state was throwing was going to throw a lot of money at them. To expand the company, but they in 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 the Germans and the first thing the German was about the liability laws in America. That was the first thing, liability. They was like, I said, that's what insurance for, <laughs> you know, because when they see stuff like a girl, a lady get burnt by McDonald's coffee and sued for a billion dollars, they see stuff like that and it kind of like it makes them nervous. And I have to explain to them, you're not the first company from Germany that expanded to America. So there's protection for things of, of, of that nature. But what you said to the point was that you can be at the right place at the right time and don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. But but I could see it. I could see it clear as day, you know, and it's another it's another thing that I'm going to talk to Maurice about, you know, what's what's happening with me now in the future, because that's some that's some. There's a big tidal wave that's coming toward Germany. And this tidal wave, we can get on this tidal wave and really make some things happen. It's a big tidal wave that's coming. One of the biggest industries in the world is expanding very aggressively into Europe and Germany. And they got the eye on Germany real strong. And it's coming. And it's exciting. It's fun and it's exciting and it's and it's and it's and it's the next level. Um and um I think you guys probably know what it is. Before we gonna push this out, <laughs> uh huh? Let me before before we gonna go and and, and uh, talk too much about that. Um, let me ask you this. So with all the different industries that you work with, with the very different type of people that you work with, how mm -hmm. did you manage to get a connection with them so that they would listen to the ideas that you had? Because many people can go around and have ideas, but mm -hmm. not so many of them will be listened to, right? And appreciated and accepted in, especially in some of the Munich uh, circle, for example, right? That you just mentioned. <laughs> That yeah. is not natural, right? Um, I made my way in Munich. I mean, let me tell you how I made my way in Munich. See, when I came to Cologne, I had money. So I just put my building up and then put a studio in. And, and then, you know, we was young. So we had, it was hot. We in the middle of the city. We It's banging. You know what I'm saying? You know, so that that, that was easy. That was easy because I already had paid the price by doing some music that I didn't love, which was Eurodance music. But um, Munich, the thing is with Munich is, is that I'm being honest with you. What kind of like broke me into a whole nother scene in Munich was uh, that my buddy, Alex Gurnett, was the chief editor of Bravo. Um, so I did projects with him. And I could, I could, 
when I got back to Munich, I could I had a resume that was that was crazy. I I did I did I did one of the first hip hop parties on Oktoberfest, brother. You know, I mean, I did some of uh, the place called Prateinsel, which is a very beautiful location on the Isar in Munich. I did the first ever hip hop parties in there. So I showed them that hip hop could be with class and there's not like a lot of crazy stuff. I got in circles by doing things. See, I know there were certain circles that was apprehensive about certain things. So what I would do is that I would even take small locations and I would do events in. And then I would do classy events. Then they start talking about Munich is a city, but it's really a village. So then they would start talking about these things and what was going on. And then my woman now, my wife, come, she 30 years in the hospitality business. So she got friends that got locations that she can go in and say, look, this is what he can do in these locations. And so we would go in. And uh, when we was at the Prada Enzo doing an uh, event right, right by the Ezar, um, which is the river that runs from, from uh, the Alps all the way down through the city of Munich, beautiful. And so we had an a, a event at that location, all white. And we had the hip hop people coming dressed up really nice. And so, and they saw hip hop doesn't mean um, just black people. It was all type of people loving the music that, that came out to it. So, so and that got around the city. Then other people wanted to offer me deals and things of that nature. See, I came back in 2007 as a party promoter. It's crazy. Cause I never really liked parties to promote parties because I always seen people lose their shirt. <laughs> 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 you know from, from that standpoint and so i kind of like start making making the noise loud around the the players in the city and then they said who is that guy oh that's raz he was in this group and that group and this group and that group and then one guy we have um the biggest after party location on octoberfest which is three thousand people for 14 days and we have a silver VIP badge for lifetime of his event. And so these are the people that, that we came to. We did events with them. And they will introduce us to this person, that person. And then my wife come from that the hospitality, which, man, we was at vineyards. And the people from, she was even friends with the people from Red Bull. So the marketing office for, for Europe, for Red Bull now is in Munich. Germany, uh, Microsoft, micro, the marketing office with Microsoft. I was supposed to go back to Germany to do an after party for the NFL game, which which was played in Munich when Seattle played Tampa Bay. But I could I couldn't make that because I got some stuff that I'm doing here. I I got to finish, you know. But I kind of like did these things, man, from the ground up, and just made them feel me. It wasn't no, wasn't no, it wasn't no, no begging position. It was, <laughs> it was from a, 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 it was from a position of leverage that I could, I could bring, I could bring the right people on the table. Yeah. So the answer, I just made a, a short answer, very long. 
<laughs> I really, I really just did it. Like Nike say, just do it. I just did it. I just did it. And that's what the youth have to understand. If you have a concept and you want to implement it, don't try to do it to the biggest level. Do it to the smallest level and then let it grow. And it'll organically grow, you know, from that standpoint. I have one more question for you. And that is, since everything that you did, right, it seems seemed to work out. But where were your, your biggest struggles along the way of making those transitions each and every time? Because you did a couple of them, right? Or when I say a couple, I mean a lot of them. A hundred. Uh, <laughs> and where were your, your biggest challenges where you were like, okay, this is, I have to U-turn whatever the situation is and come from an entirely different angle? I, I tell you my biggest challenge is to the day. And, and it's, it's, it's trust. You know, um, bring it my biggest challenge is is bringing is 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 being among people who you can trust and who can see the vision and can who can who can buy into the vision and we can sit on the table and equally sign a piece of paper and and share it yeah the trust with people that 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 was my biggest challenge you know because i know that I have, man, I have worked myself up to do deals with Procter Gamble to do deals with T-Mobile, you know, and, 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 and I never could build, I never could build a team to say, listen, man, I don't need 100% of this. I'll take whatever. We just sit down on the table and we can figure it out, but you need teams. I've been part of teams my whole life. So it's really hard to find the teams to work together with and to move into directions because man i see so much i see so much so many things that that can be done that we can be on the on the, on the um 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 we can be um blazing the trail to do so many innovative things internationally and be global players so i found it i found it from that like like if if you want to know was was there any really My whole 20 some years in Germany, I probably had two racist situations. Seriously speaking, I never really had that many racist situations. I know it's there and it's all over the world. But the bottom line is that I found it. I found it very. I found it very um, um, free and breathtaking the way I could do business and the way I could come into circles. And, and people got to know my heart and got to know me and, 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 and things prospered and things happened and people trusted me with things. So, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, that certain things didn't go wrong. Certain things went wrong, <laughs> you know, but you have to learn from those things and then you move to the, to the, to the, to the, into the right direction. I love the story. And I, and I, I think the, the transition from one to another, to another, to another, to another, just, just seeking opportunity, super motivational. Um, and, and I, I love the idea of, I, I just do it by doing it. Uh, I think that's, that's really super powerful. Um, if yeah. you were to, if you were to talk to somebody who's in, who's in high school, 
uh, and who's, you know, playing football and is going to go to college on a football scholarship. And, mm-hmm. and they're, they're looking at, at the future where you were back in uh, the late eighties, right. Or the early eighties, late eighties. What would you say to them today? What, what advice would you give them to, to be as, as successful and as, as innovative as you've been? Ask the right questions. Don't be afraid to ask the coach. If you, if you, if you, if you're going getting ready to go to college on an athletic scholarship, don't be afraid to ask the coach, who's in my position? What opportunity, what chance do I have to play? Do I have a chance to play? Academically wise, I want to study this. What does, can I meet the academic counselor? Who's, who's going to be over this area, which I want to go into on, on my, my, my um, uh, academic wise. Um, um, be truthful with me. When you when you when you got a problem, if I have a problem, be truthful with me on the problem. And also, tweeners that's in between scholarship but got great academics, choose the school you want to go to. If you want to play football, go walk on. Go walk on because your grades can get you at that school, and you can go walk on. Do not go to a school you don't want to be at. That's the most important thing. Don't settle. If you in state and it's not so expensive for you to go to school and you got good grades and you can get you can get grants to go to school and that choose the school in your in your state that you want to go to. Don't don't sell don't sell it for less. If you don't if you if you want to go to Penn State, go to a junior college for two years that go that can you can transfer over to Penn State. If you want to go to Clemson, go to Tri-County Tech right here for two years and then transfer over to Clemson University. See, what a lot of kids don't understand is that and what these coaches, these recruiters not telling them, man, it's more than one way to success in life. Yeah. I said life. No, I didn't say football. I said Mm -hmm. life. If you want to go somewhere, you can go there. And 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 that's the most important thing. Just do it. That's just gold. It. That's gold you right know? there. Yep. Yeah. Just do it. Because there's a lot going on with college right now with football and everything. There's a lot going on. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, that's good advice for life. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think that's the that's the perfect ending. Um that yeah, there's many roads to many roads for um go to Rome, as you say here in Europe. Uh, in, in I don't know how you say that in uh, in the U.S. Actually, same way, <laughs> same way. <laughs> All roads lead to Rome. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I That's, guess it's Rome, yeah. New York, or something. And <laughs> I don't know what it is. So in the yeah. U.S. But, yeah. 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 All right. Hey, Rich. I thank you so much for coming on. I thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, okay. Giving so much really powerful advice. And um, I obviously let you know when this is coming out so they can share it on your end. I will, man. But for us and myself and our audience, thank you so much for being on and take care. Peace, man. Y'all be good. Ciao. Ciao. Take it easy, brother. (laughs) Ciao.